Can the question of man's fundamental metaphysical needs and desires be ignored by the psychotherapist? Welcome to the Monday Muse. I'm Lee Benson. Remember to like, comment, share, subscribe, ring the notification bell, all those things help me to appease the algorithm gods. Also, if you enjoy any of this content and you would like to ask me a question, please email me at basicallyrelatedpodcast at gmail.com and I will create an episode out of your question and answer it. So today I'm talking a little bit more about the book Soul and Psyche by Father Victor White. I talked about it on the Monday Muse talking about the relationship between or the common ground between psychology and religion. So right now, there's a little bit of talk about therapy and about the necessity of therapy. Is therapy necessary? Is it good? Is it helpful? Is it bad? Is there too much of it? And I thought it'd be good to kind of wade into this conversation. I wasn't really preparing to do so. And today's topic isn't I said, necessarily addressing that question directly of the therapy in general and how much is too much or is it helpful at all. But to get a little bit of kind of Jung's position on it and a little bit of Father Victor White's position on therapy. So we've established, or Father Victor White has established that the soul is the psyche and the psyche is the soul. And as such, there's no element that the psychotherapist can kind of disregard, that man's dominating beliefs, his primary values and attitudes must be, must be taken into consideration as part of the whole, that man's belief, man's religious attitude, his attitudes in general, all form a part of his psyche and soul, that you can't disregard how a man believes and say that's completely disconnected from maybe some of the troubles that are going on in his life. Father Victor White notes man's innate metaphysical curiosity, his need for meaning, that some understanding of the universe around him and man's place in the universe and the what and why of his existence plagues the mind of the individual. This is what Aristotle notes at the beginning of his metaphysics. All men, by reason of their very nature, desire to know. Man des desires to know what's going on. Why is he here? What's his purpose? Why the universe? Man's metaphysical hunger, his curiosity, when it's satisfied, doesn't bother him. Either he's not consciously aware of this question so long as his being is satisfied, that he finds meaning and purpose. Father Victor White says this, this is like a, a man who is satisfied his hunger. He has enough food. He's not aware that there's, star there's starvation. Same thing here that a man who has satisfied his meta metaphysical curiosity is not aware that the question exists. But for those who have this question, they have to begin to consider these questions of myths, of ritual, of ideology, of philosophy. All of these, from a psychological point of view, exist to meet man's need for meaning and direction of life and experience of life. That's the psychological interpretation of many religions and, and their benefit, at least on a psychological level, maybe not necessarily on the spiritual level yet. But they, they exist at least to give man an understanding of his place in the universe and, his, and the meaning of his life. Now, Victor White notes that there's a problem, that in the early psychoanalysis, what they proposed was that the person, the 
the director or the, the analyst should maintain a strict impartiality, even a lack of interest in all questions about human existence, about the ultimate meaning of human existence. And that especially, he should not impress upon his patient or suggest to his patient any sort of answer to these questions or propose a certain religious philosophy to the patient. But as Victor White notes, there is an, an issue here. And it's the issue of the inseparability of psychotherapy from anthropology, that everyone has some idea of man, some idea of human nature, our mode of existence, and our destiny. And this, whether consciously or unconsciously, informs our view of life. I think sometimes in the political realm, you'll hear this about how there, there should be no religion in politics. And then you have a, a politician who's running who is Christian. And people say, well, get Christianity out of politics. And then you have someone who runs who says they're an atheist and this is upheld as a good thing, right? That they won't impress upon you their values of religion. No, they won't. They'll impress upon you the values of non-religion. Like everybody has a an operating philosophy of life, whether it's well-defined or not, whether it's conscious or not. Everybody has an idea of man, of human nature, of our mode of existence and our destiny. Even if it's that we have none of those, even if it's a Sartre kind of idea, that man, there is no human nature. There is no God. There is no afterlife. That is a philosophy of life. And in fact, this inseparability of man's kind of religious attitude, his, his anthropology from psychology, is best exemplified in a famous quote from Carl Jung. Jung says that during the past 30 years, people from all civilized countries of the earth have consulted me. Among my patients in, in the second half of life, around 30, there have not been one whose problem in the last resort was not that of finding a religious outlook on life. None of them had been truly healed till he regained a religious outlook. So what Jung is trying to say here is religions in the past gave man a framework. It gave him an understanding of the universe and his and man's place in the universe. It gave him an understanding of where he started from, his origin, his purpose, and where he was going to end up. Not just his place in the universe and the universe's places around him, but also his relationship to God. But people have begun to cut themselves away from that. And although Jung, you know, of course, never really uh, pushed a certain religion on people, he was open to these questions. And he was open to people exploring possible answers to ultimate existence of their lives. So Father White says that the Jungian approach to religion must be examined and discussed. Not just psychology and religion in general, but particularly Jung's psychology. Why Jung's psychology especially? What, what makes it special? So Father White says that it's because of Jung's contribution to depth psychology and in psychology in general that he's such a a source of, of interesting conversation for religion and psychology. He says that the unique contribution of Jung is his exploration and discovery of the collective or objective unconscious, that whose contents are the archetypes. So what Jung discovered in the unconscious was what he called the presence of non-repressed and non-personal contents. And these usually consisted of religious or mythological motifs. So separating from someone like Freud, who mainly saw the unconscious as a place of repression of sexuality and aggression, Jung saw it as a place of creativity, that there were elements that one had never experienced, but somehow were there. That's why he calls them non-repressed. It wasn't something I experienced in the repressed, and he calls them non-personal because it's not something that necessarily belongs to me. There's something that belongs, there's something that belongs to all of mankind. A, a further 
difference between Jung and, and someone like Freud is that Jung took these psychic experiences seriously. He took the experiences of of archetypes as symbols of transformation. When he was working with schizophrenics, he tried to really get into their minds to see why were they reproducing these mythological motifs? Why were they obsessed with religious symbolism? Why were some patients talking about symbols that appeared in Gnostic texts that they'd never seen? Well, why were they reproducing roughly the same symbols? So it's here in the sphere of archetypes that the collision of religion and psychology most occurred. For Father White, this is why Jungian psychology in particular is of interest because it's in the archetypes that religion and psychology butt heads. And the expert in this field of religious archetypes would be Carl Jung. So the unique importance of Jung's contribution does not lie in just the psychological interpretation of religious phenomenon, but in the recognition that religious or potentially religious factors underlie and structure the psyche. The psyche actually is, is structured for Jung by these archetypes. And these archetypes are religious or mythological. And in fact, these archetypes are necessary for mental health and, and sickness. A mankind at large is sick because he has ignored or cut himself off from the great religious traditions that took archetypes seriously. But it's here, again, that the religious thinker, the theologian, and the psychologist will think that each of their fields is incompatible. That theology is incompatible with psychology, and psychology is incompatible with religion or theology. For the religious person examining God or man's experience of God, the religious experience may be almost sacrilegious because here we're taking the highest thing, the most powerful thing in a sense, the most intimate thing, man's experience of God, and we're taking the dissecting knife of psychology and cutting it open and examining it. But Father White says, on the contrary, we must acknowledge that religion is most certainly a phenomenon of the human psyche and therefore is open to psychological inquiry. This is not to say that the psychologist should make definite absolute statements about the existence or non-existence of God or really any other reality of faith, but it's really just to say that as people that possess souls and psyches and minds, that when we experience anything, we experience it through the faculties of, of our mind or psyche, that every experience we have is in some ways mitigated through our souls and psyches. So there's no there's no such thing as like a, a non-psychological experience. Everything we have is experienced through the psyche. That's not to say that everything is psychological, but that everything comes through our minds into our souls. So if I have an experience of God, I have a psychological experience. Again, not reducible to that, but it is part of my experience. For the psychologist, he must concern himself with the psychology of the phenomenon of religious experience in the acti as an activity of the human psyche and as a process or as an expression of inner process of the psyche. So the psychology is not here to concern itself with the ultimate questions of the reality of God, whether God exists, but with the psychic experience that we have of God. And this psychological experience of God is a fundamental one. Even if someone hasn't had maybe a profound experience of God, what Father White is trying to say is the psychologist cannot ignore this question. He cannot ignore that man is open to these experiences and that perhaps if man, if a person has had this experience, it's part of their psychic well-being. That man cannot be treated again as mind or soul, that it's it's one unified thing. That's what we talked about on, on last week's Monday Muse, that 
there can be no dissecting of the two or, or legitimate separation between the two. That whatever thoughts we have about man and religion will impact how we treat the person's soul and their psyche. I think the conversation right now about therapy is trying to get back to that. That a lot of people, when they talk about how they don't like therapy, what they're trying to get at sometimes is that it's moved away from a more holistic understanding that a, a patient's view of their, their nature, their destiny, their place in the universe does impact their mental health. And that while perhaps it, we're not asking for doctors to impress upon or therapists to impress upon their patients, their own personal religious attitudes, but that an understanding that religion plays a part of healthy psychic functioning may be part of what's needed. That as Jung said, these, these people are sick because they've cut themselves off from these ancient roots that what made man function well and what made his psyche healthy was his connection to the archetypes, that the archetypes that structured his mind and his, his experience he took as real. And he took as not just real, but as a fundamental part of reality that helped him connect to reality. That once you start cutting those off and once you start saying we can diagnose mental health separate from anything else, then you start going into error then you start going awry and you don't treat man as a whole, but you treat only part. So that's where I'm going to stop today. I think I might continue along discussing a little bit of this relationship of soul and psyche. There's some really good stuff in this book. I'm going to continue working through it. At least that's what I think. Either way, thank you for listening. If you have any questions, please email me at basicallyrelatedpodcast at gmail.com. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.